I know I've told you that there's not points for attending church, that that's not what God keeps track of. I've been lying this whole time. Y'all get extra church points today for uh, braving it out um, on Time Change Sunday. Um, now, those extra church points are redeemable for, I mean, absolutely nothing, but you can feel better uh, as you walk out the door today. Um, we started last week talking about uh, this issue of integrity um, and doing the right thing, and we, we put a definition on integrity that we're going to be working with, uh, is it the will to do what is right, and we've got as God defends what defines what is right in parentheses, um, because that's the definition that's norm, that's the part of the definition that doesn't fit in regular society uh, integrity, but the will to do what's right, as God defines what's right, even when no one is looking, no matter the cost. That, that end part is what gets a lot of us. The uh, no matter the cost. And, and as we start out last week, we talked about the idea that, that you want everybody around you to be a person of integrity, that you, you want people doing the right thing on a regular basis. Um, but many of us don't have the same standard for ourselves. We want everybody we work with, everybody we come in contact with, our family we want to have integrity, but we, we give ourselves we give ourselves a, a, a buy a lot of times. We, we make excuses. We're really creative at coming up with reasons why the right thing isn't necessarily the thing that we need to do in a certain situation. And, and we talked about how integrity basically um, is like oil to relationships. It doesn't matter how met you are for a person or how well you go together with somebody or a group or a workplace. In the same way that an engine has all parts that are perfectly designed to work together, if there's no oil, there's eventually friction and heat and catastrophic failure. And within every relationship you have, integrity is the exact same way, in the exact same way that oil keeps those finely tuned machines working. It keeps your relationships together. We also talked about how we've become a culture that values achievement and fulfillment over integrity. That yeah, we all value integrity. It's something we want. We want everybody else to have it. But if it comes down to choosing between doing the right thing and advancing, we're a society that chooses advancement. Doing the right thing and fulfillment, we're a society that chooses fulfillment. And in that process, kind of a new ethic and a new morality um, emerges up out of that. And so it seemed kind of maybe a little, um, man, this is, a, this is a big problem last week, but I left you with a prayer and I don't know how many of you used it during the week, but I left you with a, a simple prayer that basically is God give me the wisdom to know what is right and give me the courage to do it. If that's something that you pray on a regular basis, especially if you know the areas where you're gonna be tempted to not do what's right, before you get in there, just say that little prayer. Lord, give me the wisdom to know what's right and the courage to do it. I, I got an email this week and I was sworn to anonymity about um, the source, but the person basically emailed it and said, I found myself in a situation where it would have been um, easy to do the wrong thing. It would have been easy and I could have gotten away with it. But, but I chose to do the right thing, even though in the situation it felt unfair that I had to do it. It felt unfair. And even though it was gonna cost them something, and in this situation, it's gonna cost them financially to do the right thing, um, th they were able to come away with this incredible statement that was in it. And it said, it's hard to do the right thing, but in the end, when you do, 
you feel so good and at peace with God. I thought, man, that's awesome that a, somebody listened to what I say. Um, you know, it's, it's sometimes you feel like, man, as, as a pastor, sometimes you feel like, oh man, I'm saying these things. I think, I think they're pretty good, but man, is anybody listening? So it's always encouraging to get an email like that. Now, when it comes to integrity, God gave us a description in the Bible and kind of gave us instructions on how to do it. There, there's pieces within there. There's thou shalt not. So if you want to be in a person of integrity, don't do these things. And then there are, you know, I command you to. So if you want to be a person of integrity in these situations, this is, these are the things you are supposed to do. But sometimes it's really difficult for us to read a description of something or instructions on something and then be able to do it, right? Has anybody tried to assemble cheap furniture? Anybody? Yeah, you look at those instructions. It's like, oh, take A and put it against B and don't forget the under flap of C and then you gotta do the inverse on the, you know, and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at these pictures and it's just like the pictures don't make any sense and don't look like the parts. It's just really difficult sometimes to read instructions and then be able to do it in the real world. Some of the instructions are even worse. Man, Ikea, anybody put Ikea stuff together? They don't even have words to help. It's just pictures. If you're not good at interpreting pictures and where their arrow is going and what that means, I mean, you're just, and I'm pretty sure that Ikea, I'm, I'm a hundred and probably 3% positive that they put extra pieces in there just to mess with you. Just so that when you're done and you're looking at two brackets and four screws, you're like, oh my goodness, is the whole thing gonna fall apart? They met, it's, but it's difficult sometimes to take something that's an instruction and actually make it work in real life. And the same comes true when it comes to implementing kind of this idea of integrity. And sometimes God gives these instructions, but like taking these instructions and like being able to like grasp those and like, okay, but how does that work in life? That can be difficult sometimes. And so knowing that, um, I think God, knowing that we're not real good at that, luckily he, he gave us not just instructions, but a living example of what it looks like to in life live out integrity and how it works. And he did that in the person of Jesus. And, and so instead of just reading a script and trying to figure it out, we can look at the person of Jesus and how he handled his life and the things that he did. And we go, oh, that's what it looks like in practice to be a person of integrity. He, here's, what, here's what Paul wrote. In his letter to the Romans, he, he wrote this um, about Jesus. And this is an amazing statement. He said, for, for those God foreknew, and that's all of us, he foreknew all of us. He also predestined, that is he decided ahead of time that all of us, he, he predestined for us to be conformed to the image of his son. That he, that is Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, this is an amazing verse. And the reason it's amazing is because it means that God has got an intentional plan for your life. And then the wonderful plan is this. I can sum it all up in one sentence. God's plan for your life is for you to be like Jesus. That's what all the other details are things that we fret about and get caught up on and worry about and try and figure out the magic formula to unlock God's will and know exactly what he wants. And Paul's saying, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. You gotta, you're making it too difficult. God's plan for you is for you to be like Jesus. 
And that doesn't mean that you're going to look like him and dress like him, because honestly, that's where we spend a lot of our energy, Um, not necessarily us trying to look like Jesus. We spend a lot of energy trying to make Jesus look like us. We do. (laughs) I mean, uh, go and look at at some artwork. (laughs) Jesus looks a lot like us. Go, go and look at some of the things that people say Jesus would endorse. Yeah, it looks a lot, a lot like the things we would endorse. So we spend a lot of time, and then it's like, no, 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 that's not it. You, we're not trying to be like Jesus by conforming him to us, and we're not trying to like mimic him on like, you know, interact with the same people and wear the same things and look the same way. That, that's not what it's about. He's talking about on the inside. For you to, to, in your core, in your soul, for you to be conformed, to the character of Christ. And this is amazing because when it comes to this issue of, of integrity and character, if we were to ask God what that looked like, he would not send us a list of here's all the things that it looks like to do it that way. He, he would basically point us to Jesus and say, I want you to look like him. I want you to love like him. I want you to be patient like him, have self-control like him. I want you to be kind, be gentle. I want you to do what's right, even when it's difficult and it's gonna cost you something just like Jesus did. I want you to reflect Jesus. To which we, at that juncture, we find a seat in the corner and we're like, "Uh, I can't do that. Like how many of you that's, yeah, like I can't. If the goal is to be like Jesus, like I'm out, I can't. Because wait, wait, because I thought, I thought when we started talking about integrity, right? When we started talking about the way that we behave and doing the right thing, I, you know, I, I, thought, I thought we were talking about just becoming a better version of me, right? Like I'm here and we need to make some tweaks. We need to adjust a few things. I need to get a little better here, you know, make a few incremental changes, you know, to get me to be a better version of me. But if we're talking about matching the character and the integrity of Jesus, like I'm out. I can't, I can't do it. And you would be right to say that because on your own, you don't have the ability to be just like Jesus, right? But when it, when it, when it comes to integrity, the temptation to th- is for us to think this is, well, you, if I could just get enough time and enough commitment and put enough effort into it, I can make myself a little bit better and become a person of integrity. But really when it comes down to it, time and commitment aren't the issues. Those aren't the things. We may think that with those two things, we can kind of become what it is that God wants us to be until we look at Jesus. And we realize when we look at Jesus and watch him, like, you can give me all the time and I can try as hard as I want, but I'm not gonna be like Jesus. I'll never get there. If the goal is just a better me, let me at it. I can do that. But if the goal is to be like Christ, forget it. And then you know what we do when we kind of have that thought process in mind? The temptation is to say, not only can I not do that, but because I can't, because I know I'm gonna fail, because of the feelings of guilt and shame that come along with failure, I'm just gonna not try. Like if I know I can't attain it, I'm gonna have to deal with the condom, I'm just not going to try. 
And then we come up with this idea of you're just going to have to accept me the way I am. How many of you have a person in your sphere of life that's a, this is me, accept me as I am, and they don't try to be any better? <laughs> and you want to be like, yeah, but nobody likes that you. Like maybe, maybe, maybe you should try and be a little bit, but we get that. Some of you may be like, well, this is who I am. Love me or leave me. This is it. I'm not trying to change. This is what it is. Now we say that about ourselves, but we don't really tolerate that from other people too much. We'll just decide, oh, this is who I am. I can't be any better. People are just gonna have to accept me. I'm being real, <laughs> right? How many of y'all are real? How many of y'all are like, I'm real? Uh -huh. Yeah, one honest person in the room. The rest of y'all, you just lost all your church points because you just lied in front of God and all these witnesses, right? No, like I'm keeping it real. This is, this is what we do. But we don't accept that from others. If you raised kids, you don't let them just keep it real and this is me. No, you're like, no, you're gonna be better. I don't accept this version of you. We don't accept it from roommate. Roommate doesn't just say, ah, oh, I'm just a thief. I mean, that's me. Like, I'm being real, you gotta accept it. No, you don't put up with that. No, 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 no. A spouse, you can't just be like, Psh, I'm a spender. That's just me, let's keep it real. No, you gotta crack down on that, right? Just for the record, I crack down on nothing in my, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm in a hole here right now and I'm not sure how I got here and I'm not sure how to get out. Next thing in the notes, <laughs> right? But this is what we do. We don't tolerate it from other people. We don't accept that from others, but we're more than willing to give ourselves that leeway allow ourselves to do that. But in the same way we don't accept it from other people around us, our heavenly father does not accept it from us. You're like, no, he says, no, no, no. Not only have I given you the model of what it looks like, but I've also given you and will give you tools, which we're gonna talk about some of these things, a way of thinking, a way of life that will enable you to become more like Jesus. Now, what we're gonna look at this morning um, it's about the way we go about having um, integrity because the way we go about it is, okay, I, I wanna be a better version of myself. I wanna be a better Andy. You may wanna be a better you. And, and we kind of go about it that way, but God's approach is not, I don't, want you, I don't want you to be a better version of you. I want you to reflect Jesus. And to do that, we're gonna have to completely change our thinking and our approach. So here's the new paradigm that we've got. Nope. The character and integrity of Christ, the character and integrity of Christ is not something that you can manufacture. You can't make it and create it within yourself. It's something that is produced through you. It's not you making it. Now let's not miss this. It's not manufactured. Manufacturing means I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna do better and I'm gonna try harder and I'm gonna rededicate again and again and rededicate again and again because I keep messing up and falling short. That's not what it is. It's not manufactured by us. It's produced through us. And you can manufacture a better version of you, but you cannot manufacture the character and the integrity of the person of Christ. And as we look at this passage this morning and go through this, we'll discover God's has given us the means through which the character and integrity 
of Christ can be produced in us. So John chapter five, we're gonna start in verse five and then jump backwards and start back at the beginning. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains, man, woman, this is, hmm. If man remains, some versions say abides instead of remains. In me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing, period. That's it. Okay, so what am I supposed to do? Abide and then abide some more. But what else? Well, then do some abiding. <laughs> being. And he presents us with this whole new paradigm, this new way of looking at it. Just like the, out of the life, the life of the vine flows into the branches. And then the branch produces fruit. Here's the thing he's saying to us, basically, I don't want you to try to produce fruit. I don't want you to try and be good. I don't want you to try and do the right thing. Manufacture integrity. I'm the vine. It all comes from me but you've got to be connected to me. And as you focus on abiding, as you focus on being connected, every once in a while, you're going to look out on your branch and all of a sudden there's going to be some fruit. And you're going to be like, oh my goodness, where did that come from? I didn't do that. Where, where, where was that? I didn't know I was capable of that. You got to say, you're not. That happened because you were focusing on me and my life began to flow through you and things began happening in your life that weren't naturally a part of you, but because you're connected to me and staying close to me. That happens, but our temptation is to be like, okay, there's a vine way over there, way out there somewhere. Okay, and I'm a branch over here. Now, okay, vine, you go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch you and then I'm gonna try and copy you and then I'm gonna do my version of you and then I'm going to make the fruit and that's how it's going to happen. And it doesn't work because no matter how hard we try to imitate, we can't do it. And I was thinking about it. Getting dressed this morning in this spot and I thought, man, here's how bad we are at being able to produce somebody else by imitation. I am wearing this morning my Air Jordan 3s. Let's get back in the way back time machine. Taking you back to the year 1987. I'm an eighth grader. Basketball is my life. And this is, this is the height of the Michael Jordan versus the Detroit Pistons rivalry. This means nothing to most of you, I know. But it was everything to me. Like Michael Jordan, I had posters of Michael Jordan. Like I was really poor back then. So I didn't have the shoes, but I could draw the shoes perfectly. I mean, that I was into, you know. And that year, 1987, man, he had the scoring title that year, won the, won the uh, regular season MVP that year, was defensive player of the year. I mean, just an incredible year. And man, I was just so wanted to be Michael Jordan. And I would just, I would go out and every single day after school, I would be out playing basketball because I wanted to be Michael Jordan. And I would be doing moves to try and like look like him on the poster. And I'm like watching his jump shot. There's a, there's a picture of him up on a jump shot. So I'm like mimicking it and doing it everything, right? So much I wanted to be him that I maneuvered really hard 
to get my number on the basketball team to be 23. Right, and so I'm like, all right. So I've like got posters of him, I watch him. Like I've got his number. And then I'm like, oh, I can do even better. Cause he like had this knee brace, but he wore it down on his calf. And so guess what I'd have? I'm like, yes, now I'm Michael Jordan. Here's the problem with that. I'm a five foot seven white dude that can't jump. Here's another thing, and some of you might notice this. I so wanted to be like him. You know, he always had his tongue hanging out when he was playing. Some of you are still like, good Lord, Andy, are you done with this yet? Can we get on with this? <laughs> like, I would do that, except for I would start chewing on mine. And so playing basketball, I'd chew on my tongue. And now, if any of you notice, anytime I'm concentrating which not that I want to take attention away from what's going on in worship, but just glance back here every once in a while. I'm doing, it's a wonder I haven't chewed my tongue off. That's all because Michael Jordan had hanging out like this. That's how it was. All of it. And I couldn't even come close to beginning to being able to do the things that Michael Jordan did. Not even close. And you know who Michael Jordan's not even close to? Jesus. <laughs> no hope. I have no hope of imitating and attaining. It can't happen. And luckily, Jesus would say, I'm not asking you to imitate me. I'm not asking you to pretend to be like me. I'm asking you to learn, and this is a process, but I'm asking you to learn to abide in me so that I can produce character and integrity in you. Not so you can do it. You're focusing on abiding. I'm focusing on character development. Now that's a completely different way for us to look at it because we're so focused on actions and results because that's how we can judge ourselves. That's how we can judge other people. What can we see them doing? Oh, I'm making a judgment on who they are and where their relationship. Man, the church has just, I mean, has used this tool to the detriment of so many people as the focus has been on what's their fruit? What's their fruit? What's their fruit? What's their fruit? Oh, we can't tell what's going on inside and how God's dealing with them. Just how are they behaving? And we put so much attention and focus on that. Now with that in mind, let's go back and look at the whole passage. He starts out, I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, if you have footnotes in your Bible, it may, in that spot where it says cut off, it may say, down at the bottom say, or lifts up, which I like lifts up better. Because in a real vineyard, they are really hesitant to cut off any of the branches because those are possible production. And if they aren't producing, there's one of two reasons usually that they're not. And one is that the vine has kind of grown inside, the, the branch has kind of grown inside of the vine and it's not getting any sunlight. And so they'll pull it out and get it lifted up onto the outside so that it can get that sunlight and begin to flourish. The other thing is, is sometimes they'll grow down and get into the dirt and lose their sunlight and they'll lift them up out of the dirt and tie them up so the sunlight can get to them. So they come along and they either pull them out or lift them up and they, they don't cut them off. They reposition them because they're, they're value and production. And this is what Jesus is teaching here. He says, your heavenly father is so committed 
to fruit being produced in your life, that he will reposition you if you let him from where you are to a position in which you can be more fruitful. And if you are producing, occasionally he'll prune you back. Occasionally he'll cut something out of your life so that you can produce more. He keeps going. He says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And we'll talk about that sentence on another day. But he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now that's different from you won't bear fruit unless you stay dedicated, unless you try real hard. He gives us this incredible picture of life flowing from one piece into another so that fruit is produced. And essentially what he's saying is, listen, if you are open to it, I will make my life available to you. I'm not asking you to imitate me because you can't. I'm asking you to learn, to let me live through you. Let me be patient through you. Let me love through you. Let me exercise self-control through you. Let me help you to overcome temptation. Let me help you to bear up under the hard times, to do the right thing through you. All of those things that are weighing you down, let me put you in a position for those to no longer be. And you can't manufacture it. It's got to be produced through you by God. Now, let me talk about, just for a second, let me talk about the word abide in that sentence. If you look up this word in the Greek, it is an extremely common word. Like it's all throughout Greek writing and and there's no mystery to it. It's used to mean to stay, to remain, to move in with, to live with, to vacation with. Like it's all sorts of accounts, but it basically means to stay with or remain with. And it's a highly relational word. And if we were to change it into our vernacular instead of abide, because, you know, unless you're a big Lebowski fan, you know, you don't come across abide too much within our culture. And so, so he, here's what it might sound like in our vernacular. Jesus is saying to us, stay close to me. Stay close. Don't think imitate, think stay close, right? Don't think, you know, what do I need to change? What do I need to do different? No, 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 no. Don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to stay close to me. Uninterrupted fellowship, and relationship. And if you stay close long enough, you will be amazed at the things without your effort to change them, begin to change in your life. You stay close to me, you will be amazed at the things that begin to be produced and the effects that come out of your life. Not because you were trying to do them, but because it's my life flowing through you. This is about viewing your Christian life differently than the way we've been brought up to view it. Because all of us know, if we were, all of us know exactly the level of character and integrity we're able to produce within ourselves. Like, and we might not say it out loud, but we know, yep, put me in that situation, I'm toast. Like, I, I, I won't be able to, we have strengths and weaknesses and we play to our strengths and we hope that our weaknesses are never exposed. 
right? That's what we all do. And we come in here and we sing good songs and we pray and we read scripture and we listen to the sermon and we do all of those things and we're sincere about them, but there's holes, there's flaws. Like we are not perfect, which is news to none of you, which is news to none of the people sitting next to you. And no matter what we do, we just can't seem on our own to bridge those gaps in our life to be able to take those shortcomings and bring them up to our strength. And Jesus would say, I can, I can do that in you, but I'm not gonna give you instruction and tell you how. I want you to abide, be close to me, be focused on me and I will do it through you. So I wanna leave you with this. Three practical things that you can do as you begin to think about changing this, this, the perception from um, doing and producing to abiding. The first one is this, think and act relationally, not religiously, right? Because the religious approach is God is out there somewhere and I'm trying to please him or trying to connect to him or trying to find a way to get to God. That's different from relationship is, I'm just gonna stay close. I'm just gonna stay close. And some of us come from a background, you know, maybe it's where like religion was really formal. You know, some maybe it was so formal, it was like, you know, the robes and the traditions and recitals and it just all just felt mechanical and just not relational at all. And some is a little less, high church formal and more like, you know, if you showed up at church and you weren't in a suit and tie or you weren't in your, you know, your best Sunday dress, then it was kind of just all about that. I don't think, I don't think God likes that type of formality at all. I really don't because he, his son gave his life to bridge the gap between us to bridge the distance and to make it relational, invited us to call him heavenly father, not to be religious. When we try and do that, that whole religion thing, I mean, we're basically playing right back in to what God made a great sacrifice to undo. So think and act relationally, not religiously. Here's the, here's the second one, focus on association not imitation. In other words, we got to get away from, I want to do it like Jesus did it, which is a lofty goal, but we can't. So it's flawed thinking. We got to get from that to association. I want to be with Jesus. I want to stay near Jesus. I want to be reading the scriptures. I want to be in prayer. I want to be close to Jesus. And then the, here's the third thing. You can adopt the attitude. I can't, but he can through me. I can't, but he can through. I can't be patient with that person one more day. Yeah, but he can. I, I can't deal with another day of these people in this office doing these things. I'm ready to go. Not Yeah, you can't, but he can. I can't, I can't deal with this temptation one more time. I'm not gonna be able to do the right. I can't do it. Yeah, that's probably true. But he can through you. 
I can't, but he can. And this is what you're saying. You're saying, look, okay, here I am in the midst of potential sin, of, of doing the wrong thing. But I'm still willing to relate to you, God, if you're willing to relate to me. And God says, that's what I want more than anything. Is I want to be in relationship with you. So here's what you can do tomorrow morning. This week you can contemplate those things and, and begin to work through some of those mind shifts, but there are no new temptations. You know exactly where it is that you're going to be tempted to not act in a manner of integrity. You know exactly what it is. You know what you're going to face. So get up a little earlier this week. And some of you are like, what? We already lost an hour. Yeah, okay. You know, just a little earlier, a little earlier. Say, Lord, you know what I'm going to face. You know what's lying ahead of me, what I'm getting ready to go through. And I can't, but you can. And when you encounter those things, when you've made that prayer of, okay, God, give me the wisdom to know what's right. Give me the courage to do it. Like right on the tail end of that. Like, mm, and I know that I can't do it, but you can do it through me. You can do it through me. And you will be amazed at what God does in your life. You'll be amazed at the more you stay closer to Jesus the more the idea of doing the right thing doesn't even seem an option. And you will be amazed at the fruit that is produced in your life when you stop trying to produce it on your own and you just focus on abiding and being close to Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this is something that is kind of simple to just sit here and talk about and say, but God, we have been so programmed from the beginning of our lives to focus on our actions, to focus on doing better and being better. And the idea of turning our attention from the, the action and the behavior towards just being in relationship with you and allowing your life to flow through us and change those things, Lord, that's really a foreign idea. So God, this week, I, I, I pray that you begin to make this real in our lives. And Lord, as we come across things that, that we're, the areas where we're tempted to not do the right thing, that, that Lord, we begin to focus on just being in you that you begin to change our actions, not us. That you begin to produce life in us. That you produce fruit in us. That we get to the point where the right thing is the only thing we can imagine ourselves doing. Lord, I thank you for the example of Christ. I thank you for the scriptures that let us in on the way that you think and that you operate. And Lord, I thank you for your mercy and your grace that you offer to us when we are what we naturally are, which is not up to snuff with who Jesus was, but that you come along and you lift us up and put us in position to succeed. 
Lord, I thank you for all of these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being out on Time Change Sunday. We look forward to next week as we continue on discussing the right thing. It's a beautiful-